Hello, and thank you for listening. This is Delilah Pano. I am Vice President of U.S. Capital Formation for Toronto Stock Exchange and TSX Venture Exchange, based in Southern California. Welcome to TMX Presents, the podcast. This is where we have conversations with capital markets leaders from around the world to gain insights from the influential decision makers and visionary entrepreneurs helping to shape the future business landscape. Today, I'm super excited to bring you an episode that I recently recorded with Steve McGarry, host of The Exit, a podcast brought to you by Flippa, which is the number one marketplace to buy and sell online businesses. We covered a lot of ground in this conversation, including a topic I'm especially passionate about, bridging the gender gap in venture capital. We talk about how important it is for all entrepreneurs, including female founders, to know all of their funding options, including alternatives to private venture capital, such as crowdfunding and public venture capital on TSX Venture Exchange. How can we narrow the funding gap by accessing aligned capital? That's what we explore in this conversation. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have these important conversations and hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to The Exit, presented by Flippa, the number one platform to buy and sell online businesses. Flippa manages over a billion in deal value annually and combines expert buy and sell side advisory with its market-leading valuation tool, deal room, off-market offering, market insights, and AI-based deal-by-deal matching engine. Now for The Exit. The Exit is a 30-minute podcast featuring awesome entrepreneurs who have been there and they have done it. The Exit talks to operators who have bought and sold businesses of all different sizes. You'll learn how they did it, why they did it, and get exposure to the world of Exits. It's a world occupied by a small few, but accessible to many. On this episode of The Exit, I sit down with Delilah Panio. She's an awesome investor that has helped women bootstrap companies all the way to IPO. We talk about some of the alternatives to venture capital. We talk about really aligning your capital with your personal goals and your lifestyle and just the importance of understanding your capital and that not all venture capital is what you need. You know, I think that that's a really great takeaway from this that you're going to hear Delilah talk about in detail that it's very glamorized at the current time taking on venture capital, but there are expectations with that and you need to be comfortable with the jet fuel that you're taking on and it's not always right for your business. So I think that there's some really great pieces of information for women entrepreneurs out there and just anyone that's interested in learning more about the importance of the source of your capital and also some alternative funding sources like this really cool regenerative capital concept that she talks about that's funding incredible women all over the world. And so without further ado, let's sit down here on the exit and talk about venture capital and investing and shortening the gender gap for the venture capital and entrepreneurial world with Delilah Panio. All right, I am here with Delilah Panio. And she is the Vice President of U.S. Capital Formation at the Toronto Stock Exchange, as well as the founder of Fortuna Funding. How's it going, Delilah? So great, Steve. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on. Really looking forward to our conversation today. 
Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're taking a new take on the the podcast here with a lot of the kind of lens of venture. And I think that it's going to be really valuable to unpack some of the hurdles and things that women and everybody sort of faces in venture capital. And I like what we were talking about right before we started recording, which was uh, taking on the wrong kind of capital. I really like that. So before we get into all of that really great uh, kind of back and forth, I'd love to understand your background, like how you got into business and how you got started. Sure. Uh, Thanks, Steve. It's certainly been an interesting journey. So I am Canadian and I'm living now in California and I have this incredible opportunity to represent the Canadian capital markets living in the U.S. And so I have been in the capital markets for over 25 years and I have advised companies from everything from bootstrapping to IPO. And in my current role um, within the Toronto Stock Exchange talking to U.S. CEOs, which ultimately are primarily men. So there are very, very few women, as we know um, from the statistics that have taken their companies public. And certainly in my day job, I see very few female founders, even though I know there are an incredible number of of women building great businesses. And so on the side of what I do, I created Fortuna Funding specifically to work with female founders on accessing that very early stage capital. And so I've seen the whole ecosystem, like I said, from bootstrapping all the way to IPO and what is happening in the ecosystem that is um, of where women are not able to access that same level of capital as men. Got it. Got it. And I didn't know this until I was doing some research that in 2021, there's a record number of women-led companies that IPO'd. Let's talk a little bit about about that because I, I think that's really an exciting way to sort of open this and talk about you know what type of catalyst you kind of drove that, do you think, and, and what types of things happened there? Well, so, so let's look at that. So as you remember, 2021 was, was a record year in all metrics, public, private markets around the world, right? And so, yes, it was a record number of women-led IPOs in the U.S. It was 12 out of about 1,000. So yes, hooray, the most women-led IPOs, but wow, how is it possible that there were only 12 out of so many um, led by yeah. men? And, you know, we could talk about this for days in terms of why, but the, the simple, the simplest explanation around it is for a, company to go public, they have to have access significant venture capital in the current model within the U.S. The Canadian market has a different model, um, which we can chat about. But in the U.S., you know, to go public on NASDAQ or NYSE, you have to have raised a significant amount of venture capital. You're looking at, you know, billion-dollar companies. We know statistically in the U.S. that women are only accessing about 2 to 3% of all venture capital. So you can't go public if you haven't gotten the venture capital. You can't get the venture capital if you haven't gotten that early-stage, you know, investor rounds, which again, statistically, women get about maybe about 15 to 20%. That's getting better, certainly, but it's still mm-hmm. low. And you can't get the angel money if you don't have that super critical early stage friends and family round. And most women, and especially women of color, just do not have access. Their friends and family don't have that critical $5,000, $10,000, $50,000, right? So if you look at the whole ecosystem, there is a breakdown along the way. Now, the good news, Steve, is that right now you're seeing a lot of surgeons of female-led, female-focused angel groups, uh, venture mm-hmm. funds, a lot of like really what we call micro funds that are by women for women. So mm-hmm. there is movement there, but... 
you can see how much capital needs to be raised to be able to go public. And that is where there's still a massive disconnect that, of course, mm-hmm. there are some creative solutions um, that are people are working on that. But that's really where the big disconnect continues to be. Got it. And I've talked multiple times on podcasts about education and there being really like a couple different drivers of, of really helping with this, this gap. Um, and I think that education comes up pretty much every time we talk about it. So as far as I understand it, you're working on an accelerator on some curriculum to, to help in that regard. What can you talk about with that? Yeah, so I so over all of my time mentoring and you know being pitch coaches and and helping uh, female founders along the way, I kind of just developed my own sort of curriculum around how do you get investor ready for that early stage capital. So I created the proprietary uh, investor readiness program through Fortuna Funding, and a couple of years ago I partnered with UBS out of out of uh, Europe, uh, the, the Global Women's Wealth Division of UBS, and with Coralis, which is a incredible uh, financing program for for women around regenerative capital. We can talk about that because that's a whole new concept that's coming out. Um, so we we partnered together on Project Female Founders. So we just finished year two where we had a, I ran a global accelerator of female founders um, from around the world that UBS, you know, as, as one of the biggest, oldest banks in the world is really sort of taking some really great steps and commitment to closing that funding gap by, by how do we educate them early. And so my curriculum basically at the end of the day is based on stuff that you already know around, you know, how do you communicate? How do you do your pitch deck, et cetera? But a couple of key things that I do that I find are unique. One, I start with your why, like most importantly, right? And we know like Simon Sinek's work, et cetera, is like your why for every is the most important thing because that will be your barometer on the type of capital and the alignment of investment, right? So for Tuna Funding, my, my mission really is around how do we provide practical and intentional guidance on accessing aligned capital? And this concept of aligned capital is key because it, what it means is, are you going after the right money? Right? Mm-hmm. Are you even, as a company, are you even attracting the right investors or, or source of capital? Do you even know what that means? So right now, you know, in the U.S., there's such this massive glamorization of venture capital, of you know, this magical mystery, you know, path to like getting your perfect angel investor and then getting your Silicon Valley VCs and then getting more venture capital and then selling and then exiting to have this, have this massive exit. I know you've done that, um, but but most people, statistically speaking that start a business are never going to achieve that, right? And they have their, you know, blinders on of there's only one way to grow a company, one way to get capital. And statistically, we know if you get venture capital, then you're not likely going to be around in five years, not because you had a big exit, but because of the mandate of the investors behind the funds, the LPs. They just have a very specific requirement uh, criteria around their ROI, which is very difficult for most companies to achieve, right? So the point is, Part of what I teach is know all of your options, look at all of your equity options, including, including, you know, the public markets, like what I, you know, talk about with going public on TSX Venture Exchange for U.S. companies. We call it public venture capital. Looking at your at crowdfunding options, does that make sense for you and your business? Looking at your debt options, you know, there are all kinds of debt options now. Are there other sources of capital? Certainly, you know, any non-dilutive like grants, et cetera. But we really, in my mind, need to, to explore 
expand the conversation of how to fund a company. And by the way, as you know, the best way to fund your company is revenue. And I just don't think that we talk enough, and I'm in the startup world, about revenue, revenue, revenue. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, Steve, in these markets today, if you want to go public, you need to have revenue, right? No, We're not in 2021 anymore that anyone go public without any revenue. You need revenue, private, you, if you want the valuation, you've got to have traction, which is revenue. The good news is there are so many revenue models now, unique, creative ways to make money. So I encourage every founder I talk to to spend time with their co-founders, their investors, their advisors. Have we looked at every possible way we could be making money with the assets that we have? Very well said. The, the best investors are customers, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually why crowdfunding works well for a lot of companies, right? If Who's more committed to you and more incentivized to see you succeed than your customers? Look at them for strategic investment. Look at them for crowdfunding. Look at them for angel investors. Who's in your space? Like there's so many other ways to think about raising capital or making money than just going after venture capital. And I, I really do uh, love the concept of aligning capital with what you're trying to do and there's there's just so much there because people are very much sort of enamored by the jet fuel and rocket fuel that is vc and they don't quite grasp that that means pedal to the floor 24 7 365 there are no (laughs) there are no take a breath and relax for a second it's just full-blown most importantly losing control right i mean Mm. you know steve why are u.s companies talking to me about going public in canada when we're in the biggest capital markets in the world it's because they're not interested in you know, often the egregious terms of venture capital. Again, I'm not here to make venture capital wrong. I'm just saying that there's a practical reality to it, right? So when you go public, there are no pref share guys on your cap table, right? So that's a big, significant difference. And so if you're a sophisticated management team, you don't need that mentorship, which some of the younger, you know, entrepreneurs absolutely need. That They don't just need VCs for the, for the money. They need it for the mentorship. But if you have, you know how to execute your business plan, you know, you, you, you just don't want that kind of capital. And so more and more... That's why I'm busy. That's why I'm talking to many CEOs about, well, maybe I can go to the Canadian markets as a stepping stone to to NASDAQ or NYSE, which is what we are for U.S. companies. Again, we're not right for everybody either. And the key back to you started this was alignment, right? What are you building? Why are you building it? What is your long-term objective? And as a founder, what kind of life do you want to live, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, like truly, really understand what taking on external capital, which all comes at a cost, it should, it's other people's money, right? It shouldn't be free. But but think about that before, so that when you have that, when a check is in front of you, you can tune into your, you know, your higher self and say like, is this in alignment with what I want to do with my life or mm-hmm. what my product or service are, he- are here to do in the world? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that a really powerful way of sort of increasing that that percentage of, of women-led companies that are either going public or, um, you know, just getting to later stage venture. I think there is something to be said about on the other side, uh, female investors. So yes. what's your take on how, how we could educate and bring more women into becoming VCs or just angel investors and, and just supporting on the other side? Because women funding women, I feel like, 
is a, a really great way of kind of evening it out a little bit. It's not just a great way, Steve. It is is absolutely critical because here's the reality. People invest in who and what they know. I mean, there's just a human nature part of this that we're not going to be able to shift humanity completely, right? And so the good news is that, you know, for the first time in, in history, women, ha- especially I'm talking about the Western women, have a lot of money. We have a lot of access. You know, we all hear about the transfer of wealth to women uh, in the next, you know, on- currently happening, ongoing. Women live longer, et cetera. We're making our own money. And, and then just inheriting, et cetera. So women have access to a lot of capital. The challenge is that certainly my generation and older, we're not taught to be investors, right? And now the good news is younger gals are getting you know, more of that financial literacy. But there's two things that I'm doing specifically in this space, because I, th- for me, this is, this is what changes the world, is women having equal access. So the democratization of capital is what I think is going to change, change the planet, save, save the planet. <laughs> um, so the two things I'm, I'm, I'm on the advisory board of something called the allyship, where we're, we're looking at how do we get more women in venture capital to take those roles? Because of course, more women VCs will be more understanding of it and supportive of women entrepreneurs. And then, but it's something I'm doing that's really passionate is my nonprofit that I co-founded is called We Are Enough. And we are launching a global campaign next year um, to educate women globally at every economic level on why and how to invest in women entrepreneurs, women-led businesses, or with a gender lens in the public market. So there's mm-hmm. many ways that that today... Any woman, if you had a dollar or a million dollars, you could be aligning your investment dollars with something that can really, truly change the world because women tend to start companies that the world really needs with a social mission. Like there's a lot happening there. Um, if you want to reduce you know, sexual harassment in the workplace, you want to reduce all sorts of things, have more women in the C-suite, right? Have more women as the CEOs. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not just a smart thing to do from an investment person. We've seen all the stats that women-led businesses significantly outperform um, their male counterparts for lots of reasons. But it's just, this is how we actually shift a lot of things in the world, politically, environmentally, socially, is by having women have equal access to capital to create great businesses and great companies that employ people and change all, like the multiplier effect is significant. Mm-hmm. Well said. And I, I I like the idea of, you know, current women-led companies nurturing women that are young coming in and to, to kind of teach them different ways of like either becoming a, an investor or becoming an entrepreneur. I, I really like that sort of approach of current leaders helping the next generation of people coming in and I think it's it's a really good um, angle to take. And we'll get back to the interview in a second. I want to talk first about first access from Flippa, where you get deals first, 21 days before the rest, actually. There are more buyers and investors than ever looking to acquire online businesses. And with first access from Flippa, you can gain a competitive edge and beat out the competition. And Flippa is giving you, my dear Exit Podcast listeners, a 30-day free subscription to First Access. So did you know that 67% of businesses go under offer within the first 21 days of listing on Flippa? Yeah, that is true. Things move fast on Flippa. This is where First Access comes in. As a buyer or investor, you can get deals 21 days before the rest when you're subscribed to First Access. So what do you get? With First Access, you'll receive online business listings 21 days before the rest, 
You get instant NDA access, letting you view everything confidential on Flippa. And this is a key one to save time. Third, you can earn premium buyer status, giving you preferential treatment. And this is such a main, main value proposition because as a seller, you're going to only want to talk to premium buyers. That is just a fact. And in my experience, people with these private listings, which is the next value, is they're going to be the ones that are primarily only talking to buyers that have premium buyer status. And the last, most certainly not least, is view exclusive private listings that are only available to premium buyers. So this is the cream of the crop here. So jump the queue today, claim your 30-day first access subscription at flippa.com slash exit. Once again, that's flippa.com slash exit. Now back to the interview. With misconceptions, I'd like to shift gears a little bit because we sure. we talked about that venture is the right, uh, a, a light, right capital aligning with you know you and your business and your personal goals and all of that. But what are some misconceptions that you've encountered and uh, that you could share for either, even if it's men listening to this thinking about their business or women listening to this thinking about their business? But misconceptions are kind of a fun topic to go through, especially on the investor side. Yeah, it's a great question, and and your point should be talked about more. Um, you know, I love it when people say to me like, "What did I, what did I not ask you?" Right? Like, what did, what am I not clear on? So, you know, around misconceptions, I think that the biggest thing, and you already hit on it, is just education, right? It, it's every in my mind, every every person who's starting a company is going after external capital. It is their responsibility to be to educate themselves on the kind of capital that they're talking to right? In this day and age, if you can access anything and anybody at any time, like there is no excuse for not understanding the reality of the capital. Again, the capital is not good or bad. It's just what people do with it, right? So, so understand venture capital. The funds have one job to make money for their LP. So that, that creates a whole reality of what they can and cannot do, who they can and can't invest in when they need to like, shut the company down because it makes more sense for the LPs and keep it going. Like all of these are just practical reality situations that the founder should be fully aware of before they take the check. Know what you're signing, know what you're agreeing to, talk to people. Don't, anytime you're from a chemical place of desperation, you know, it's not going to end well. And I, listen, it's easy for us to sit here and talk about this very flippantly because if you're a founder, like I got to make payroll, like my friend's about to close down. But you and I both know that anyone who's taken a check and they knew in their gut it was the wrong money. It's like being at the altar and you knew it was the wrong person on your wedding day, right? It, it just doesn't end well. So all that comes back to be educated. It's your responsibility to be able to listen to your own intuition. And this is especially true for women because, you know, women's intuition, this is the gift we have, right? But we so often ignore it because, you know, someone's telling us typically, you know, older, more, you know, experienced man is telling us what should or shouldn't do. But we know, you know, everybody knows what's right for them. So get educated, know all of your options and understand that there's just a motivation behind that investor that they have to follow. Is that motivation and their expectation of return in alignment with yours? It's mm -hmm. your job to know that. It's your job to know your own, you know, barometer and your own, you know, boundaries. That's your job, right? To know that as a, as a CEO, um, and then it's your job to, at the best of your ability, to find out what is the other, what is the checks 
you know, provider's motivation? And is there an alignment? So, so mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, there's no more, that's nothing more magical to that. Again, we're making it very simple. It's not always easy to do, but what needs to be done is simple. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, we've talked a lot about venture capital, but I'd like to, you briefly touched on some crowdfunding and different options, but let's talk through alternatives. Like what are, what are alternative routes that women-led companies, women entrepreneurs listening to this mm-hmm. could take as opposed to venture capital? Yeah. So first of all, when you think about funding your company, which just means how you're going to pay for your company, external capital or revenue. Okay. So look at revenue. So under external capital, you have equity, right? You're giving away equity and you have multiple ways that that can happen today, right? Whether it's angel investors, venture capital, crowdfunding, uh, like I'm talking about the, you know, the, 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 um, the, the jobs that crowdfunding where you're actually giving away equity, whether that's, you know, crowdfunding rule or the reg A, reg A plus, we can raise up to 50 million, et cetera. So there are different ways to raise that capital. And then of course you have the public markets and in North America, we have many options from New York and NASDAQ all the way down to the over the counter market in the U S you know, to the Canadian capital markets, which is what I represent, um, which again could be a stepping stone, you know, to get to a senior market. And then you have, have other kinds of capital, right? So obviously there's a lot of, depending what sector you're in, there's a lot of non-dilutive grant money. You know, if there's, think about in clean energy, right? How many billions of dollars are being, are being put into that sector? Uh, there's a lot of grants for different sectors and especially for women. There are, you know, government designations for being a women-owned business that can get you into some contract opportunities. So all, there's all these different kinds of things. Um, another group that I have been a part of is called Coralis, um, based out of Canada. Canada, but is in the U.S. as well. They are formerly known as CEO and changed their name to Coralist. But this is a what we call regenerative capital. So this is where they get in every country, you know, 500 women to put in a thousand dollars. You get this micro fund, and then they they give the money out in no interest loans. So then that money is paid back into the fund and it just get it's a perpetual fund. It's regenerative. It creates more capital every year, every year. And by the way, they have like a, I don't know, like a 95, 99% repayment rate as women do, <laughs> you know, certainly know about microfinance globally. That's the stats. So there are other models and we need hundreds of those models. And I'm working with people like that. Like how do we really create some new innovative financing models? Because the companies that they're funding are never going to be eligible for venture capital, which is fine. I mean, the number of companies that are being started today in this country, like 1% will ever be VC eligible, right? So what about everybody else, right? And also, I just want to say to listeners, there is no shame in creating a really great sustainable business. And I hate the word lifestyle business because that's like such a nonsense word. It's like, it's either a VC backable, like, you know, shoot for the moon company, or it's a lifestyle business. It's like, if you have a company that is, you know, employing many people that, you know, pays for you and your family and is creating, you know, um, you know, significant wealth for you and your company, but you don't have to take on all this external capital, like good for you, <laughs> you know, good for you, right? And so just, you know, think about again, what are you building? Why are you doing it? And then look for the kinds of different capital that are a match for you. Mm-hmm. Well said. I, I like that because the personal goals aspect, like what what type of lifestyle do you want to have? And building a business that not only supports you, but supports other people to live their life is a, a pretty incredible feeling. And a lot of people <laughs> listening to this show have experienced that. And I think that at scale, if you can build a, a sustainable, 
even profitable business that can sustain 100 people, 200 people. You've built something pretty pretty incredible. And it's yes. often not really looked at uh, as as much as the the big blow off sort of venture capital billion dollar unicorns. <laughs> yeah, and people just get on the track, right? It's like, oh, I've got to like do this, do this, because you get into some accelerators and you get some advisors, and the next thing you know, you're just on this track. And it's funny. I was I did a, a salon event in New York back in June with a, a room full of twenty five female founders. These are women who have built companies, exited, you know, are on the path. And just having a really honest conversation about that. And and there was a woman who was brave enough to stand up and say that she wished she had never taken venture capital and she was and but she's now on the track. And you know what the track means? The track means that you've got your friends and family money in that company. You are like fully invested in that company, mortgaged to the hilt in that company. You can't leave. And you no longer control it. You know, the VCs control it. They, they have the pref shares. They, they will dictate your exit and you are trapped, right? That is, I think that's got to be the worst place to be. Like you are, you're clearly not a unicorn, but you're not dead on the vine. You're like, it's the portfolio companies in the middle, right? Who are like, ah, like I can't leave. If I want to, I can't. Every, everything and everybody I know is in it. Um, mm. And so that's a hard place to be, right? So before you get in there, right? And actually, one of the, when you talk about education, one of the most practical things that every founder should be doing is truly understanding their cap table and cap table management. Sit down with someone before you take a, give away one percentage of equity with somebody, your lawyer, whoever it is, a founder, to, and play out the cap table over several rounds of capital in the mm -hmm. best case scenario and in the worst case scenario, right? How many companies right now who raised in 2021 are now doing down rounds in the public markets and the and private markets? I mean, there are companies in the public markets that are trading below revenue who are doing down rounds because they, they drank the Kool-Aid of the, just the ridiculous, you know, valuations of 2021. And it's hard not to when you're being offered it, right? But now they're in trouble, right? If they had played out that cap table, so I encourage, it's one of the first things I say to every founder, especially females, sit down with your lawyer, do the cap table in every round of equity and see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, do you want that? Yeah. Do you want to follow that path? And you might. And, and again, there's no shame in, in, in wanting that. Like if you yeah. genuinely believe you are building a company and you are building a company that needs a lot of capital, you're in fintech or you're in AI, whatever it is you need, or you're in the life sciences, like if you need a lot of capital, then there's... there, but the key is to just to not be naive about it, right? Like just to really underst understand the game you're playing. That's what I teach is I help founders understand that the game that they are choosing to play and that they know that it's their choice to play the game. Mm -hmm. Got it. Well said. Well, that leads us to the finale question. Okay. Knowing what you know now, what would you tell Delilah 10 years ago? Uh, I love this question. So I have a mantra now that I wish that I had learned 10, 15, 20 years ago when I was in the hustle and all the things, right, um, of the capital market. So my mantra is show up, be delightful, and let the magic happen. Mm. And what that means is you got to show up. I mean, you got to show up, right? Do your due diligence, do your all your things, your education, but just show up and then just be awesome and delightful because people want to work with people like that and you will be magnetic to people. And, and for the women, I would say like, and I, it took me a long time to learn this, um, really step into your feminine power. Cause that's actually what the world needs right now. We don't need 
to you know act and look and talk like men, which is what I was taught. I came into the capital markets in the in the 90s. Is so like look like a man, dress in suits, like all of the things, right? And that's not what the world needs. We need the balance for all of us in our masculine feminine. So just show up, be delightful, be in your feminine power, and then just let the magic happen and just really trust, right? That you are good enough, you are doing enough. As long as you're in line with your with your alignment. You know, then, you know, and if it doesn't work out, then luckily, as we know, it's usually later you're like, well, thank God that didn't work out, right? <laughs> <laughs> thank God I didn't write that, get take that check. Thank God I didn't marry that guy, whatever it is, right? Like we know, uh-huh. as you, you get older, you get that wisdom. But yeah, just show up, be delightful and let the magic happen. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what are you working on now and where can people learn more? So obviously continuing my day job, which I love to represent Canada, but living on the beach in California is a pretty sweet gig as I find winter to be unnecessary. And I also, with Fortuna Funding, I'm actually about to launch um, this fall, uh, relaunch our website and and launch my online course of my investor readiness program so that more people, it's not just for women, but uh, that more people can have access to what I've learned and hopefully that'll be helpful. Yeah. So that's, so the way to find me, the best way is through LinkedIn, which is just Delilah Panio. There's very few of us out there. Um, It's connect with me over LinkedIn, or you can go to um, DelilahPanio.com. I also have my website that talks about my speaking, et cetera, and, and my, and my nonprofit. So you can connect all through that there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, wherever you guys are listening on iTunes or Spotify, the links that Delilah mentioned will be in the show notes. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom around investing and entrepreneurship. Well, and thank you, Steve, for having the conversation because I think that these conversations are really critical for founders. So thank you for your leadership in that. Thank you for listening to TMX Presents the podcast. For more information on TSX and TSX Venture as a capital option for U.S. companies, visit us.tsx.com. And for more insights from capital markets leaders and my TMX colleagues, please visit tmx.com POV. Have a wonderful day.